talk too much because I can talk a lot. My, my husband will let you know that. Um, I just want to thank God for my salvation. I want to thank God for saving me from the pit of hell. I've been saved for 14 years, and I was once very lost, very bound in my sin, and I walked through the doors of Victory Outreach, and I went there to service. I felt the Spirit of God. I didn't get saved the first time, but I did get saved the second time that I came to visit, and I remember um, feeling the Spirit of God breaking me, and I didn't understand why, and I just remember walking down to the altar and raising my hands and giving my life to Jesus and saying, God, come into my life because I was so lost. And I remember the moment that I gave my life, I could see in the spirit the chains fell off. And I was never the same. And what happened was that day, uh, my mom, I told my mom, I said, Mom, guess what? She's like, what? I said, I got saved. And she's like, oh, that's nice for you, hun. And just kept walking, and I just said, no, you, I just thought, like, you don't understand. Like, this is a miracle. And um, so what happened was she's like, oh, well, that's nice, hen, but I'm going to go to a garage sale. Why don't you come with me? And I said, oh, okay. And my mom was, like, queen of garage sales. She loved to go to yard sales, garage sales, the flea market. She loved just searching for treasures. And so I said, okay, well, I'll go with you, but I need to go to the Catholic church because I need to get a Bible. Because I didn't know where you got a Bible. I didn't know that bookstores had Bibles. And so, um, so I said, okay, I'm going to go with you. And so when we went to the yard sales right down the street from my house, um, I, asked, I looked and I said, I wonder if there's anything like a Bible here. And I kid you not, there was a brand new Bible on the, on the table set out. And I said, how much is that Bible? And the girl was like, oh, just give me a dollar. And that was the beginning of God showing his provision for me. That God was so much in my life that he made everything available for me to get a hold of him. And, um, and with that Bible, I tore that Bible up. I was like, this is my, it was a NIV student Bible. And I read that thing every day, all day. I was so addicted to the word. I just felt God doing something in me. And um, that was the beginning. And I just thank God for touching my life. And what he's done in me and through me. And I thank also um, my pastors, um, our leaders, Pastor Al, Sister Georgina, Pastor Sunny, Sister Kim. They're the ones that have really imparted into my husband and myself. And that's where we were for many years in Southern Cal. And um, we came up here to answer the call and um, take the mantle and run and fulfill the call that God has for this church. And, of course, I want to thank my husband because... My husband is a great guy. He's a great man of God. I really, really love him. And he's such a great example to me as a man of God, as a spiritual example. Um, just everything that he is, he really um, sets a standard for, for what it is to be a Christian, a person of character. I love walking beside him and um, being that helpmate. I really, I'm blessed. I look at him and I think, God, I could have... I could have had like some floozy guy and he would have just done whatever I told him to. But I really thank God for a man of God that leads me and that he wears the pants and he wears them tight. He ain't having it with me. Amen. And I like that. I like wearing my dresses and skirts. So it's all good. So um, I thank God for a wonderful husband because he's definitely the best. So and I thank my children as well. My children are a joy to have and it's a lot of work. 
And um, I just am a grateful mom today. And I want to thank, of course, our women for what they just did. I told them, don't do it. And I meant it, but they're so disobedient. <laughs> Gosh, got to teach them these things, you know. Just kidding. Thank you. I love you guys. I love this church. I love our city. I know the Lord has called my husband and I here, so it's a privilege to be here. Um, and uh, so why don't we give the mamas a hand one more time. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's go to Proverbs 31. How many of us have read who Proverbs 31 woman is? Raise your hand up high. Okay, I'm going to read it really quick, and then we're going to change the, the page real quick. So this is the saying of King Lamuel. He was speaking about his mother, and he was saying all these things about this, this woman and how Proverbs 31 she is and what a woman, what a great woman of God she is. So for those who don't know what Proverbs 31 woman is, she is like the perfect wife. She is the ultimate woman that every woman should strive to be. So I'm going to read it really quick. Don't worry if you don't read it with me. I'm going to go in verse 10. It says, a wife of noble character who can find she is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her, several, for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. And out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her, tr that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed and she is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed and her husband also. He praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise at her city gate. And this woman sounds perfect, right? She's a businesswoman. She's a profitable businesswoman. She, her husband has a um, very upscale seat with the elders, very honorable seat with the elders. Um, she has a good marriage because her husband praises her. She has children that arise and call her blessed. And so that's, that's a pretty amazing woman, right? Jeez, the, 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 the bar has been set, right? But don't worry, I'm not going to preach about her, okay? Because we're probably never going to be like her, okay? <laughs> She's perfect to me. I'm not perfect. I have so many flaws I'm working on here. So I wanted to read that to encourage you and say, even if you don't fit the whole um, criteria or profile of this woman, it's okay. We all got a little bit of Proverbs woman in us this morning. Amen? Amen. So why don't we turn our Bibles to Exodus chapter 2. And I'm just going to read, uh, excuse me, I'm going to pray really quick. Lord Jesus, I just come before you right now and I just pray that 
you would just move in the midst of us, Lord. I pray your spirit would continue just to have full reign, full authority. I pray your women and men of God would be blessed in this place. And even our children, Lord, let them sense your presence, Lord, as they're being taught your word in those classes and in the nursery. We love you. We give you the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I didn't want to discourage you about these wi- about this one woman because she is perfect. When I was reading her, I said, God, I have the rest of my life to be like her, but I'm nowhere near her because she's like all that in a bag of chips. And so um, I said, I'm not going to preach about her because I'm not there yet. I think if I was like maybe in my 60s or 70s, I can start preaching about her, but I'm not there yet. So today we're going to be speaking about Joshebed and the example that she was to her son Moses. But before I get into Joshebed, I know that there's many women in the Bible that are examples that um, very much so trailblaze the way for us. And these women are strictly from the Bible because they have set an extraordinary example for us to follow after them. And so um, I wanted to share a couple about, I wanted to share about a couple of them and their impact that they made in history. And these are women that are real. The Bible is real. Amen. It's the living word. It's truth. It's nothing fairy tale about it. It's, it's the real deal. You want to know some drama? Read the Bible. If you like, you know, novellas, read Genesis and Exodus. It's a lot of drama in there. Um, it's fun. It's good stuff. It's very good. It's very good. Um, the word of God is just awesome to, to just read and to absorb. And so this morning I wanted to share a little bit about some of the women that have made an impact in their generation and for the future that was to come before their time or after their time. And now because of their exampleship, we get to follow after it. And so um, how many of us have ever heard about the mother of Eve or Eve herself, Adam and Eve? Nobody? For all the women that have given labor, have you thought about Eve? It's because of Eve, Adam's wife, that we have child labor pains because of her disobedience. And um, she was the first mother of the whole world. She was the first wife in the whole world. She was the first mother, parent. And, um, and she was definitely an example to not follow because of her disobedience. But I look at her and I think, God, you know, she, she really was the first mother, so she had to learn everything on her own. Uh, the other day, my son had a, a rash. He had a he ate something and got a terrible rash. It turned into a skin virus. His whole body was um, swollen, and he was red all over. I had to take him to the ER. And I, but before I went to the ER, I called my mother-in-law, Josie, and I said, Josie, oh my gosh, my Elijah, he's got spots all over him. He's turning red. He's swollen. What do I do? And she told me exactly what, this is what you do, this is what you give him, just wait. And if he doesn't get any better the next day, you got to take him to the ER. So I said, okay. So I was able to call my mother-in-law and ask her for advice and say, okay, tell me what to do. Because I'm, a fir- I'm still learning as I go. But imagine Eve having to go through all of that. She was, because she was the first mom, she couldn't call, you know, God or God's wife. I don't, that's undoctrinal. God doesn't have a wife. But, you know, she couldn't call her mom and say, hey, mom, you know, the kids, Katie and Abel, are acting up. What's going on here? What do I do? She had to figure it out on her own. She had to figure out what it was to raise up children and trust God that she, God was with her and to 
um, nurture these children the way that they were supposed to be nurtured. And so um, she was one of the, of course, she was the first mom, the first wife. She had a f calling on her life. She was, she had a heavy calling. She, her calling was to not only be a mom and a wife, but to help um, populate the land and to fulfill what God had called for her and Adam to do together. So I think, God, that's a pretty heavy calling that she would be called to be the first mom, the first wife, but to also um, procreate and fulfill or uh, fill the earth with, with people. Isn't that heavy? Imagine if it was just you and your husband and you two were the only two to bear the children and you had, to, you had the responsibility to bear the children and to literally push them out of you. That's a lot of work, right, ladies? That's a lot of work, right, ladies? Jeez, I have three, and I'm, like, ready to push this fourth one out, and I'm telling my husband, that's it. No more. Don't ask me anymore. Right? Right? I'm, I'm serious. We have another woman, Sarah. She was the wife of Abraham. Um, I love this woman because she, was, she, was, she doubted God. She questioned God. She laughed at God. Um, she was the mother of many nations. And Abraham was the first one, was, was called by God to be the father of many nations. Um, and there's a scripture in the Bible, I, I, I can't quote it right now, but there's a scripture in the Bible where the Bible says that through her, kings would be birthed through her lineage. And I thought, God, that's heavy. That um, when, he, when you read it, it didn't say that Abraham was going to do it, even though he, is the, he was the lead, he is the man, he was the one that was going to do it. But the word of God says that it was through her that kings would be birthed. And I said, wow, that's heavy duty right there that God would say that specifically about Sarah and that even in her flaws and in her mishaps and, you know, leaning on her own, God still used her for greatness to birth royalty, to birth something that was so beyond our understanding. And um, through her, kings were birthed. King David, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Imagine that. Imagine somebody saying that about you. Look at yourself and say, wow, kings would come out of me? That's pretty heavy duty, right? Another woman that made history, um, I have it here, was Hannah. I really love Hannah. She was a woman that was barren. And she was her husband. And she had a husband, and he, he also had another wife. And her, his other wife would always mock Hannah because she was barren, she, meaning she couldn't have any more children, or she couldn't have any children. The Lord had closed her womb. And so for years and years and years, she would pray and ask God, God, I want a son. And, you know, why can't I have a son? She would be depressed. She would go through it. And, you know, her, her, the other wife would always mock her and make fun of her. And one day she was in the temple, and she was praying, just praying, out her, praying her heart out to the Lord. And she had made a commitment to God that, Lord, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. And, um, and guess what happened? The Lord honored her prayer, finally, and she bore a son. And, and through those years, she nurtured him, took care of him. But eventually, because she told the Lord, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you, she fulfilled her commitment. And for a mother to have a child and nurture that child and then have to release the child back to God, that's some pretty heavy sacrifice right there. That's some pretty heavy letting go. And she stands out to me because I just think, like, God, I love my kids so much, and I dedicate my children to the Lord, but could I really ever release them 
to a priest to raise him up for the rest of his days. I don't, I don't think I could do that. And so for her to do something like that, that's some heavy commitment. That's a woman of her word. And that just totally stood out to me of who Hannah is. And these are all different women of the Bible. But these women definitely stood out to me. And um, I've always loved Hannah a lot because um, I just think of how committed she was to God and how she was just able to trust God to know he was going to be raised up to be mighty. And he was a mighty man of God. He became a counselor to two kings in his time. And um, he made a, definitely made an impact in the, in the king in the kingdom of um, God in Jerusalem, amen. So um, those are some, th- some other women. Oh, those are some women. There's some other women that I want to share, but because of time's sake, I don't want to go too much because I can have you here all day long. So I'm going to spare you, amen. So this morning, I want to go to Exodus chapter 2, verse 10. Are we all there? Okay. You have to excuse me because I don't wear glasses and I think I need them. So I'm winking here to read what I have to read. It says in Exodus 2.10, it says, When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. And um, this is the story about Moses. And had Moses had been chosen by God to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery. But in this time, excuse me, in this time, the Pharaoh had made, um, had made a petition to kill all the, ch- all the children, the babies, two years and under, because there was a prophecy say- stating, or there was a saying that was being said, by the people that there was a great deliverer that was going to come and rescue the people out of Egypt and they were going to be set free. So what happened was, um, so all the children were being uh, murdered. And in this time, Joshua had had Moses and he was just a baby. And sh- what happened was she, this, they didn't find Moses. She hid him for three months. It doesn't say where they hid him, where they put him, if it was in the food pantry or, you know, a special room, we don't know. But it says in the Bible that Jochebed um, hid him for three months. And then after three months, she knew that she couldn't hide him anymore. Maybe it got more risky. Maybe there was, you know, people saying that she had a baby in her house. The Bible doesn't say what happened, but there came a time where she knew that she had to release her son. And so um, she put him in a basket. And she, you know, trusted God that God would take care of him and look out for him. So what happens is she puts him in the Nile River in a basket. And eventually Pharaoh's daughter and her maidservants find Moses. And, um, and so what happens is Pharaoh's daughter takes Moses and takes him as, his, as her own and raises him up in the, in the, Pharaoh's, in the her- Pharaoh's household. But in that time when the, when the Pharaoh's daughter finds him, the daughter, Miriam, Moses' sister, see, I told you it was drama, right? She follows the basket to see where Moses goes. And as she follows him, she talks to the Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter says, um, find, or she approaches Pharaoh's daughter and says, do you want me to find a woman that can um, uh, suckle the baby? And she says, yes. So what she does, she goes back to her mom 
she gets the mom and says, Mom, Pharaoh's daughter has Moses, and she needs somebody to nurse him. She wants you to nurse him. So she goes, and she becomes the servant to Pharaoh's daughter, and she's able to nurse her baby, not knowing that, the Pharaoh's daughter not knowing that this was the actual mother of Moses. And so she's able to um, nurse him and take care of him. And it does, the Bible doesn't say how many years. Some commentaries say seven years, six years, around that time. But it does say that when the child grew older, it says when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. So that means that she had several years to nurture this young boy, Moses. And, you know, it doesn't say whether he grew up in that time in Pharaoh's daughter's house or what, but I believe he did. But I also believe that she also had time in her hands to impart into this Moses, into this young boy, so that eventually one day he would answer the call that God had for his life. The Bible says that when he was a baby, she saw something special in him. She knew that there was favor upon his life and that somehow God was going to do what God called him to do. Even in the midst of murder, in the midst of, you know, mourning and, and just bloodshed, she knew for some reason God had called this young boy into greatness and that he had a destiny. And so in this time that she had with Moses, it says that as he grew older, she had time to impart God into his life. And the reason why I say God is because Jochebed was married. She was married. She had children. And um, I believe that she was definitely a woman of prayer because I know if I told my husband, hey, babe, I'm going to put Elijah in a basket. He's going to go down the river and somebody's going to take him and take care of him. We're all good. Amen. All right. Talk to you later. My husband would think I was crazy, right? He'd be like, what is up with you, woman? You know, like, is four enough or what, what's going on? And so I know that she was a woman of prayer, and I know that she was a woman that had her husband's trust, that had her husband's confidence to know that whatever we're doing here together, we're in agreement, and if this is what God has told you to do, then send him on down the river because I know that God is with him and he, God is with you. And so that really made an impact because I thought, God, like, what husband would say, go for it, release our child? even though children were being murdered. That was pretty heavy right there. And so um, as, I, as I continued to read this, I just thought, God, this is, like, this is like the physical, but this is also the spiritual thing too, that um, here he was, here our children are being raised up by us, being raised up in the church or being raised up just by mom and dad or dad or mom, aunt, I don't know who, and how God gives us a certain time to impart into their life, and eventually, because of how life is, and because of the nature of man and nature of people and human beings, we eventually have to be able to release our kids. And sometimes we have to release them through to that Nile River and let them be, you know, on their way and releasing them to trust that God is with them somehow and God's going to work it out. And as as Moses was going down that river, when I think of Pharaoh's daughter, I think of the world. I think that, wow, Jochebed had to release her son and trust God for him, even though he was entering into a place of uh, uncertainty, of idolatry, of idol worship, of just, you know, everything that doesn't um, honor God. And so here he was released to Pharaoh's daughter and 
you know, Pharaoh's daughter, I'm sure she had influence over him. I'm sure she raised him up with a loving heart and, you know, she gave him the best. And, and in that time when she realized because she didn't give birth to this baby, she couldn't um, nurse him, eventually she had to run back and find somebody to nurture this boy. And she finally found the mom. But when I thought of that, I said, God, that's like the world, how here Josheba is nursing her son, and she had to release him because of what was going on. And she released him to the world, or she released him to, to Pharaoh's daughter, but eventually Pharaoh's daughter had to bring him back to the original mom. And how that's like for our children, how we raise up our kids in Christ. We raise up our children the best way we know how. And in that time, when that time comes to release them, we have to trust God, that God is with them. But eventually, we, they'll come back. Eventually, the world's going to say, oh, you need Jesus. Eventually, the world is going to say, you're no good. We can't use you. Eventually, what was being imparted into that person's life, they're going to realize, I need to go back to God. And so as, as, as I was reading, I said, God, this is like, this is spiritual, and this is the physical, too. And so this, this morning, I want to talk about, you know, not wasting our time and what we're imparting into our children. Don't waste the time that we have to influence our children over the things of the world. Because once our children grow up, one day, I know my son is going to wake up, and he's going to say, I don't want to go to church. I know that one day my children are going to say, I want to try to listen to this kind of music, even though mom and dad don't approve. I know that one day there's going to be a day where they're going to wake up and they're going to rebel against us. And we're going to have to pray and trust God that God, whatever's going on in their life, you said that, you know, you were going to raise them up and do mighty things in their life. You gave us promises. You gave us words. But how it's going to take a mom to be able to release them. And trust God and know that God, everything that I've imparted into that kid, it's not going to return void. And so that's what Josheba had to do. She had to release her baby. She had to release her son in the midst of, of hardship and murder and everything. And knowing that God is going to take care of this child. Amen. And so as we, as we read later, it talks about Pharaoh's daughter brought her in to nurse Moses. And so I really believe that that is divine, to bring the mom back to Moses, to nurse him, to love him, to take care of him. That is divine because, and she got paid for it? Gosh, I wish somebody would pay me to take care of my baby, to nurse my son, to pay me, right? I'll be rich. I got four now. Well, about to be four, right? I wouldn't have to ask my husband for money anymore. I got my own bank account. Don't worry about me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> she got paid. She got taken care of, and as those years were, um, as those years were given to her, she was given an opportunity to impart God. And I believe that she imparted the Lord. I believe that she put the fear of God into his life. I believe that she sowed seed into his heart about who God was. And as we raise up our kids, how many of us know that we must be intentional? Must. Be intentional in how we raise our children. We must be intentional in what we model before our children. We must be intentional in what we speak into our children's lives, whether they're children, whether they're in our womb, or if they're 30, 40 years old and you're still the mama in their life, you still have to be intentional in what you impart into your children. One thing that my husband always does is he always wants to kiss on me. And so but when he kisses on me, he does it in front of the kids. 
and the kids get all googly goggly and ooh, look at mom and dad, they're kissing. But my husband wants to show them, this is how you treat your wife. This is what a marriage should be. This is what a holy love is. This is what mom and dad do. This is part of our marriage. And I kind of get embarrassed sometimes because I'm like, ay, Esteban, get off of me, you know. You know, we're going to get pregnant again, you know. And, um, but my children get to see that. And they get to see, wow, look at mom and dad. Because what they think is, ooh, mom and dad are kissing. But not only are we kissing, but they see that we love each other. And so that's the intentional part that we want to model to our children, that we must be intentional on how we model what marriage is into their life. And there was a saying, I was watching the preaching one day, and how um, this preacher was preaching, and I never listened to him before, but I remember he was sharing a story about a mom, and how this mom was very intentional in what she was telling her son. And every night when they would go to bed, the mom would tuck the little boy into his bed and pray for him. And right before they would, she would turn off the light and leave the room, she'd tell him, you're a champion. You're a warrior for God. You're an ambassador for God. You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. You're God number one. You're God's best. And every night, this little boy was about four years old, and every night from when he was a baby to being four at this time, she would tell him, you're God's anointed. You're great. God made you in the image of God. You're, you're destined for greatness. And every night she would do that. And one night, um, they came home really late from this event that they came, went to. And they rushed to go to bed. She got him dressed and put him to bed. And she's like, I can't, you know, pray for you. Or I can't, you know, do our little thing tonight. So just go to bed. I love you. Good night. And she walked out, turned off the lights. And as she was going down the stairs to clean her house, the little boy ran. And he, and he ran down the stairs. He's like, Mom, Mom, where are you going? You have to tell me who I am. And the mom was like, oh, my God. Because this boy took and, and believed everything that she said, that he was great, that he was God's chosen, that he was God's anointed, and that he needed to hear that every night to be able to go to sleep. And so he didn't go to bed until she did that, and that's what she did. She turned back around and said, okay, uh, forget what, whatever I have to do. I'm going to tuck you in. And she told him, you're great. You're wonderful. You're awesome. And when the preacher was sharing that, I said, God, that's heavy. Because I remember when I was in the world, nobody did that for me. I remember being told, you're going to be nothing but a drug addict. You're going to be another statist statistic in the society. I remember telling me that, that or people telling me that you're not going to make it to the age of 25. You're going to be nothing but an alcoholic. And the crazy thing about it was is that I believed it. I believed it. That words of death were being brought to my, to my life, being, you know, pierced into my heart. And I received it. I received it with everything that I had. And I believed that I was going to be a drug addict. I believed that I didn't have a future. I believed it. And how it's so important, mamas and daddies, too, and family, <laughs> that we are intentional with what we speak into our children's life. Because what you tell them is going to pierce them. What we tell them is going to mold who they become. And, um, you know, I didn't have um, a secure household. I didn't have a mom and a dad to tell me how great I was. I had a single-parent home 
And my mom really didn't tell me how wonderful and how great I was. Or she never told me, God has a plan for your life. You have greatness for you. Nobody ever told me that. So because I didn't have it in the household, I ran to the streets. And that's where the streets started telling me, this is who you're going to be. This is who you're not. You're not worthy. You're not good enough. You're a this and you're a that. And, and they were ugly names. And you know what? Like I said, I believed it. And how, how important it is to be able to speak, speak into our children's life and say, this is who you are. The world might tell you something else, but God says that you are the apple of his eye, that God has called you for greatness, that God has, you know, predestined you, that he knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. That's how much he loves you. And that as a mother, I believe Joshebed imparted that into Moses. I believe that she told him, Moses, you're special. You have a calling on your life. God loves you. God spared you. And maybe she never told him that he was her mo his mother. I, it doesn't say that she said that. But I believe that she was very intentional with what she told him and how she imparted God. I believe that God gave her that opportunity to give him the best of who he is or give him, give Moses um, the knowledge of who God is. And so what are we doing today, mamas, to impact our children? What are we doing today to let our children know who they are in Christ? What are we doing today to be the ultimate influence, the agent of influence over our children? What are we doing today? What are we telling our children? I was talking to a young woman earlier this week and how she was telling me how, well, I don't, um, I don't respect men. I don't respect their authority. I don't, you know, respect them at all. And I said, well, why is that? And she's a young convert, so I understood why she was saying it. But I wanted to hear what she had to say. And she said, well, the reason why I don't respect men is because they're just dogs and, you know, they use women and, you know, they just, they just do whatever they want, you know. And I said, maybe in the world, maybe that's how they are in the world because I experienced that. I said, but not in the church. And I said, and if they are in the church, pray for them. But there's some really great examples in our church. And she's like, oh, okay, like who? And then I just started naming them. I said, you got this person, you got this person, you got this man of God, you got this man of God. So don't tell me that you don't have examples before you. And she was like, oh, okay. And I said, think about it. And, you know, I had to tell my husband, girl, if there's nobody else, it's my husband. He's a good example. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so... But what, but what happened was I said, well, that's not my point, but it could be. I said, <laughs> I said, tell me why. Why do you not respect men? And she said, well, it's because they just use us. They just take advantage of us, and they just use us. You know, what is that? Um, uh, there's a saying they do. Oh gosh, I can't even remember it. But wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. That's the, that's the saying. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. That's all they do. And then they just leave us. And I just thought, wow, that's heavy duty right there. And I said, well, you know, you don't have to be like that anymore. And she's like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, this is why we don't have to be like this anymore. And then, and then something stood out to me. And she said, well, you know, like that movie, Think Like a Man? Who, who has, who's seen that movie? Okay, there's like three people. Oh, four people in this room. Wow, I'm the only sinner in this place, huh? Okay. <laughs> okay, five. Five, six sinners. Yes, thank you, God. We're all here in this place. Um, my husband and I went to go see it. And 
it's a movie about think like a man, how a man writes a book and he gives all the secrets of how to catch your man or get your man to marry you or to commit to you and how um, the movie is very influential because you're almost like, yeah, you know what, that is true. And some of the scenes in the, in the movie, I was like, I wonder if that's how Stevan is and I need to work on that. And then I realized, no, that's not true. And if it is, I don't want to know. I'm okay being a woman. I like thinking like a woman. And so, but what she said was, like that movie, I have to think like a man to succeed over a man. And it wasn't that it was the movie. I just thought, gosh, that movie is a major influence in young women today. That the world has so much influence over their mind that they're taking the doctrine of, a, of the world of a movie to influence who they're going to be in their personality, in their character. And I thought, where is the mom? Where are their dads? Where are the influencers of God, the agents of influence that can help change the mentality of these young women? That when they walk into the church, that they don't hate men, but that they love and that they respect and that they learn to understand the true role of a godly man. And I thought, God, that is so sad that we live in a society that the world is so loud that it's barking in the, in, the, in the eyes of our generation. And not just the young generation, I mean our generation. We could be 40 years old and we're in this generation together. But how the world and how the influence of the world is penetrating, it's piercing, it's impacting, it's coming into the house of God and how people's mindsets are being set on what the world says. And how when this young woman said, I have to think like this to be like this. And I thought, no, 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 no. No, you don't. And I just started, you know, giving her scriptures. And I started encouraging her and giving her examples and telling her, her that you don't have to be like this. I was like this, but you, uh, you don't have to be like this. And I just thought, God, I got to be an influence to this girl. I got to teach her what it is to know her place, know her role as a young woman in, in the church of God and, and in Jesus. Because her, her, her mind is, I hate men. And I, no, God didn't create you to hate men. God didn't create you to, you know, to um, think that you're over men. And, and then she said, well, why is it that we're always being treated less? And I said, well, what you think is what you are. So if you think you're less than a man, it's because that's what you think. I said, but God didn't say that he made us less. He made us to be the helpmate. He made us to be right there with our, with our spouses and, and to know our place. You know, we're not called to be the man. I'm not called to be the man. I don't want to be the man. You know, we talk about here today that mamas have a big role. Yes, we carry a heavy responsibility, a heavy, heavy role as a mom in everything that we do as a wife. But let me tell you, mamas and wives, the man of God, he has to bear it all. He bears it all. That he is going to be accountable for me and my children. And so I thank God, all this stuff that I have to do, my husband has to take the whole thing. And so I had to explain that to her, too. And I said, you, you better understand what the man has to do. He has a heavy role to, to fulfill. And so, but, what's, but what, it just boggled my mind when she said that. Because she said that this is how I have to be in order to be successful, to succeed over this kind of world. And I just thought, no. I said, I have to be a louder voice. I have to be a louder influence to this young woman's life and to show her what it is to know who she is in Christ, to share what it is to love the man of God, to love young men in a pure way, not the perverted way of the world. But I thought, God, I have to be the agent of influence.
And so, you know, if you talk to these young women and or even just women that come in and they're coming fresh from the world, their minds are their their minds are have been warped. Our minds, I know when I walked into the church, my mind was warped. I had such a terrible mentality, a terrible mindset of what life was supposed to be, and God had to bring somebody to influence me and tell me, this is, this is how you are. This is who you're to become. This is who you want to become in Christ. This is what a woman of God is. This is what a godly parent is. This is what a godly wife is. And to this day, I have women constantly influencing me because I know that I haven't arrived. I'm not perfect, and I'm constantly in need of change. I'm constantly in need of growth. And so I have these certain women in my life that are constantly influencing me, influencing me, pouring into my life, teaching me what I need to become, telling me what I did wrong so that I could change it and be better, you know, rebuking me and, and telling me what I need to improve on. And so these women are these agents of influence over my life, and because of them, I'm able to fulfill the call of God. I'm able to do what God has called me to do. And so this morning, mamas, we've got to be those agents of influence. We have to be able to go into our children and, and speak the word of God into their life. We have to be able to go into the church and, and reach out to these gang girls. And even if they're not your daughters, be an influence to them. Tell them how wonderful they are. Tell them the call of God upon their life. Tell them what you can help them fulfill, you know, for God. Tell them. Tell them how good they are. Don't just leave it up to the mom and dad to take care of them. You be the influence. You want a disciple? You want to make an impact? You want to make somebody, you know, uh, somebody historical? You influence them. Because it's our responsibility as parents, as mamas, that we are the main influence. We are the influencer that imparts into our children's lives. And sometimes we see, you know, we see our children being raised up. They're raised up in the church. And then one day they leave and we're like, what happened? And I've, I'm not there yet. I know it's going to come one day. But I've talked to many mothers, many mothers that have said, God, I raised her up in the church. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And I just think, I don't think you did anything wrong. I think you did the best that you could. But every person has their own will. Every person makes the choice to serve God. And if they want to serve God, they'll let you know. And if they don't, they'll let you know too. But what I love about the story is that eventually, you know, the Bible doesn't say that um, this is the only time that Joshebet is, uh, is um, spoken about. But as she released her, her son Moses to Pharaoh's daughter, um, there's no more mentioning of her. The Bible doesn't say if she passed away. It doesn't say if, you know, she moved back to wherever she came from or if she maybe went on a trip and never. It doesn't say anything about that. But it does say that she released her son to Pharaoh and that's it. There's no more saying about her, none. And eventually, Moses is raised up. He's raised up in the education. He's a very prestigious man. You know, he has favor with the people. But eventually, Moses realizes that, you know, that um, his people are being oppressed. And how he makes the decision to walk away from royalty, to walk away from a very prestigious role, and walk with his own. And eventually takes his place as the great deliverer. He takes his place as the man of God whom God called him to be. It took 80 years, but it happened. And so that's something else, too, that what we impart into our children, we may not see it when, it's, when we want it, but the word of God says that I have sent it out to do what I accomplished it to do. It says in Isaiah 55, 11, that I will send out my word, and when I send out my word, it's going to fulfill what I called it to do. 
And so as Jochebed had those years of influencing her son, you know, I believe she gave him God, God, God. And that as she disappeared from the Bible somehow or wasn't mentioned anymore, I believe that everything that she imparted into him, even though Moses was raised up in a very um, worldly household, God never left his side. God never left his heart. And he had probably the, the, the world to bow down at his feet, but he knew that there was something greater upon his life than what the world could offer him because of, of a woman, because of one woman imparting, giving him God, sowing the seed of God, sowing truth, sowing life. And I think, God, that's how I want to be. I want to be able to sow seed into my children that if they ever stray away, if they ever decide to go out into the world, the word of God is going to be so deeply embedded into them. They're going to have so much of God imparted into their life that they're going to have to come back. They're going to have to return to the Lord. They're going to have to say goodbye to the world because there's too much God in them. Amen? And so I say that too, mamas, because I know that some of our moms today, some of you raised up your children in the church, and now they're in the world. But I want to encourage you that what you've sowed, what you've plowed into your, in your daughter and your son's life, it's not void. It's not void. It fulfills. It's going to fulfill what God wanted it to do in their life. And they might fight God. They might say, I don't want God. They might not want God till they're 40, 50, 60 years old. But I guarantee you, it's going to accomplish the task. That person's going to get saved. Your son or your daughter, they're going to end up surrendering. They're going to say, God, I'm ready. I'm tired of this world. I'm tired of everything that I've done. What is it you want me to do? Because of a mom's influence. And so... This morning, as we get ready to close out, what are we influencing our children to do this today? Are we letting the world? Are we letting TV? Are we letting music? Are we letting what other people are saying influence our children? Or are we influencing them? Are we the ones sowing the seed in them? Are we the ones telling them who they are in Christ? Are we the ones building them up and telling them how wonderful they are? Or is the world, is the pimp on the corner, is the drug dealer on the corner, is the lost person out there telling your children who they are? Is the blind leading the blind? Or are we influencing our kids? Are we making sure that we are taking that time, that precious time that we have to, to speak life into our kids? Are we doing that? And so as Moses answered the call, it doesn't say that Jochebed returned, doesn't say anything like that. But I believe because of Jochebed sowing that seed and influencing him in those first couple years, um, that's why he answered the call. That's why he was able to take his place as the man of God, as the deliverer of the people of Israel. And that through his life, millions were saved. Millions were saved from the wrath of Pharaoh. That children didn't have to be murdered anymore. That children didn't have to fear for their life anymore. And so here Moses was. He took his place. And I believe that here our children, one day, they're going to take their place. But it starts with the mother's influence. It starts with the precious time that we have and what we're imparting into our kids. That we must be intentional. And not just at home. 
but be intentional in the kids' game. When we go into those classes and we teach our kids, I pray that you're intentional. I pray that you pray for those kids. I pray that you share the word of God into their life. I pray that you pray over them, that you tell them how wonderful they are. Because it's not just the mama's job to take care of them, but it's our job as the church, as a whole, to tell them how wonderful they are. To tell them that God has something for their life. We must be intentional. Don't just leave it to mommy and daddy. You have influence. You want to influence somebody? You might have the next Billy Graham at your hands, in your hands. You might have the next Pastor Sunny Senior in your hands. But what are you telling your kids? What are you influencing them to do? What am I influencing my children to do? What am I telling my children to do? What am I modeling? Am I modeling the right thing? Am I modeling a godly home? Am I setting a godly atmosphere for my children? That's, my, that's what I want to do. I want to be an example but I must take the time. We must take the time. Be intentional with the time that we have with our kids. Because one day, if you haven't already, we're going to have to release that child into the Nile River, into the hands of the world. And trust God that God's going to preserve them. Trust God that the world isn't going to take them out. But that the world would, would, wouldn't be able to handle them, that they would have to return them back to us. Just like Beryl's daughter, she couldn't take care of them. So she had to give them back to the mom. And the mom had to raise them up in those years. Isn't that divine that God would orchestrate that? And so my question this morning is, Mama, I hope, I hope that you're influencing your children. And if you're not, what are you influencing them to do? Are you teaching them how to do drugs? Are you teaching them how to drink? Are you teaching them how to cuss people out? Or are you teaching them the word? Are you teaching them what it is to be a godly wife? Are you teaching them what it is to be a godly mom, a single godly mom? Are you teaching them or giving them an example that your children would want to follow? Can your children say, can your children rise up and call you blessed? Can your husband or your spouse or your fiance, can they call you and say, she's blessed? How many of us mamas want to be influencers? How many of us know that our children are our precious gift? That they are, they are the ultimate. Money, silver, nothing could replace our children. And so how many of us want to be able to know that what we're imparting into our children, it's not void, but it's going to come back. And it's going to come a hundredfold and God's going to do something mighty in them. Amen? How many of us want that? Ever heard mamas talk about their sons or their daughters? Oh, it's the next president of the world or the, or the states. Right? Or my, my son's going to be a doctor. We all want our children to be successful. We all want to see our kids succeed in this world. But without Christ, we're nothing. And so the main part that we have to be is the main influencer for God. We're the agent of God to our children. They're lent to us. And our responsibility is to raise them up in God, in Christ, in the word. Because God has called them, not only us, but God has called them. To do mighty things in him. Amen. So mamas, are you ready to influence your children? Do you want to influence your children? Do you want to raise up your kids in God? I would hope so because we have such a special time with them. Even when they drive you crazy, even if you feel like you're going to go insane, you still have the influence. You still have the power to teach your children in the ways that they should go. The Bible says that if you, Proverbs 22, 6, it says, raise up a child in the way that they should go and that when they are older, they will not depart. So maybe they might go astray for a little bit, but they will come back. 
they will come back. They will come back. And so don't ever feel like your work, your labor is in vain. Don't ever feel like, man, I just can't do this. Don't ever feel like, I just, I can't do this by myself. No, God is with you. God is with us. God is in us. God works through us. God has divinely made us women, mothers, wives for such a time as this. And as I want to be an influencer over my children, as I want to make an impact in my generation, how many of us can say, I want to be like that? I want to be like that. Like Josheba, she was an example. She released her son, and she was an example. And I believe everything she imparted into Moses, it didn't return void. Because if you see the fruit, he was one of the greatest men of God in the Bible. He was the most humble man of God. He was the most humble man, the Bible says, that he was a friend. The only man of God in the Bible to be called a friend of God. That's a high calling, a divine calling. Our children have a high calling and a divine calling. We don't know who we have before us. We don't know who that kid is that's rambunctious jumping on the couch. We don't know how God could use their life. When you have that child running the streets and maybe they're getting high, you have to stand on your promises of God and know, no, God has greatness for this young man. He may be out there in gang violence or doing whatever he's doing out there in the streets, but God has something for his life. God has something for her life. Don't give up, mama. They're going to come back. They're going to come back. You just got to keep praying, trusting God. Be intentional. Trust God that God is with that child. Amen. Why don't we stand up this morning? Jesus. And I just, I just want to make a, an altar call that if you're that mom, that, you know, you're at stay home or maybe you're raising up little ones and you feel sometimes like, oh, God, this is hard and you need that strength today, I want you to, I want to encourage you that God will never give you more than what you can't handle. But God divinely appointed you and made you into that mama. God gave, God gives us rest, but he also gives us the strength and the courage to continue to go forward. And if you feel like, God, I just need help sometimes. Sometimes I just don't know what to do with my kids. I want you to come to this altar. And for those mamas that maybe that, you know, you, you raised up your children or you just maybe came into the church and you see your kids out there in the world and you're like, man, what am I going to do with them? What am I going to, I have no control over them. They're just running the streets. And you feel like, God, I need your help. Help me, God. If you feel like that mom today, I want you to come up too. But I want you to trust God. I want you to know that this is a time where we have to pray and get on our knees and trust God. That God is going to touch their life. That God is going to bring them into the church house. And the last call is for those moms. If you're just a mom and you want to be an influencer. You want to be the one that has the main influence and the one that sets the example or the standard. That if that's the kind of mom you want to be, then you come up to this altar and you ask God, God, give me the strength. Give me the anointing. Give me the ability. Help me, God, to be that influencer, that agent of influence over my kids so that whatever I impart into their life, I can be all that you want them to be, that they can be all that you've called them to be this morning. Hallelujah. Jesus, oh, Father, oh, God, we just come.
come before you right now, Lord. And God, we just need you, Lord. We come to you this morning, God, in need of you, Lord God, as mothers, God. Lord, we celebrate this day, God, honoring our moms, God. We come. 